Joining me today is a lawyer, a gun rights activist, and the host of Noir on NRA TV, Colia Noir. Welcome to the Rubin Report. How's it going, man? How's it going, my friend? It's going good. It's good to be in LA. I am. Uh, I'm glad to have you on. We've been trying to do this for about a year. Yeah, yeah. You're a busy man. Yeah, uh, yeah I just I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> or it might just be a facade I put on to avoid people, but no, in actual, in reality, no. It's it's been it's been a pretty busy year. Yeah, like extremely so, and it doesn't ever seem to slow up. And just when I think it does, something else jumps off. Well, if you think coming on this show is going to help slow it down. You are sorely mistaken. Yeah, well, I'm a bit of a, a masochist in that regard. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Just, we'll see by the time this hour is done what gotcha. sort of un unearthed hell we can right? unleash on you. I'm, I'm pretty sure there will be some. Yeah. Well, yeah. don't worry, because there will be equal amounts on me just for sitting here with you. So. That's the interesting thing. You know, I, I'm, it's, I don't want to say I've been blind to it, but just being, just seeing some of the reaction and the responses that I got, especially, like, for instance, when I was on Mar, mm -hmm. um, when I, after I did Bill Mar, you know, I saw, saw some of the comments from, the, I, I say the other side just for ease of communication, yeah. but for people who largely don't agree with me and his audience, they were like, oh, why would you have the NRA guy on there? Even a, uh, it was a tweet I responded to yesterday, and even though I was on my no tweeting deal that I like to put myself on because it's so toxic in there sometimes. How often do you do that? Every 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do weekends and yeah. I'm disappearing in all of August. Uh, um, see, it, man, Twitter's toxic, man. When you're in the lane that you and I are in, yeah. it's toxic, man. And it can really, even though you don't think you're taking that in, even when you're just kind of scrolling through, you're taking that in. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's like I constantly, I've developed this pattern of just yeah, don't respond to that because they're baiting you. You know yeah. what I mean? And things of that nature. But um, I, I saw a tweet and she's like, yeah, I love Bill Maher. Oh, I love this episode. But you have that NRA guy on there. And I'm like, Jesus, are we not allowed to have discourse anymore? If, if, especially if it disagrees with, with something that you believe in. Uh, and, you know, and I was like, this is a very dangerous road we're going down if that's going to be the case. Because you forget, you know, we live in this country together. Yeah, you know, and we're not all the same. There's a, you know, about 350 million of yeah. us, and we might not all think the same thing. Exactly, pretty crazy. It's it's kind of sad, well, at least for me. It's it's a little disheartening yeah. um, because I grew up under the guise and understanding the importance of discourse and being able to talk things out, even if you do disagree with someone. But then even still having the ability to set aside whatever views I may have on a particular issue, and then be able to speak with you cordially or have respect for you even though we don't agree. Yeah. That's the way I was brought up. And so to see the country kind of falling into this extremely vitriolic divisiveness, it it's it's a, it's unheartening. Yeah. You know, I don't want to I mean get all emo on you, but it, it, it does it <laughs> Usually does we don't have the guests cry till the end. Right. <laughs> um, but all right, we can do it this way. But but yeah. that's exactly why I wanted to have you on because you you are okay going into enemy territory. I'm not yeah. calling this enemy territory, yeah, but, but but you did you did Mars show where you knew a certain percentage of the audience was just gonna hate you. Yeah. And we talked about it briefly right before we started. But you found Mar to be basically pretty, pretty respectful, pretty even killed, yeah, and open. It's, even though on policy, he probably disagrees with you with 80 percent of this. Stuff. Pretty much, yeah. And and you know, and it was something that I ended up respecting about him in, in that regard. Because like I said, I I kind of I went in prepared for war. I didn't go in to do war, but I went in prepared for it. You know, mm -hmm. it was like prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Um, and I'd say I got the best in a sense of it was a it was a discourse where he challenged me, but it wasn't this kind of t tumultuous kind of 
butting of the heads where it would just turned into something that was just ugly. Yeah, he, well, yeah. he wasn't trying to get you. I, yeah. He was trying to understand you. And that, that you know, I'm trying to do that here. I yeah. think there's a couple other places where people are trying to do that. But yeah, that's the thing that's been been lost. And that's an interesting thing you point out there. It's, I think sometimes people take offense to, to that idea. It's like, well, I don't want to, you're, intri- you're intriguing. I think intrigue kind of offends people sometimes mm-hmm. because it's like we all grow up with a, a typical understanding of what we expect certain people to be like. And then when certain things don't fit, it's like, hmm, that's interesting. How did you get there, right? And I, don't, I think when it's innocent like that, I don't think there's an issue there. When you use it to try to kind of muscle people into believing a certain thing mm-hmm. based on what they are, then that's when we start having problems. You know what I mean? It's like, you see me, it's like, how do you as a black guy? Like, it happened to me when I first started yeah. doing what I did with the NRA. Um, uh, Russell Simmons, and I'll never forget this. I was like in, I was like in Virginia Beach, I think. Um, and Russell said, I, I, I did my first sets of videos rolled out with the NRA. Mm-hmm. And I get this tweet from Russell Simmons. And he's like, how can you as a young black man push that? You, you know, the typical rhetoric in that regard. Even though he often is all about trying to get people to get Exactly, which is really things. odd. Yeah. And so I, you know, I responded, I said, you know, like I didn't know advocating for self-defense and self-reliance was a bad thing. I didn't know that only non-black people were allowed to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so that was kind of like my first foray into that world of, wait a minute, people have an expectation of me based on my race that I'm not going to say I was oblivious to, but it just, when it was coming from people that look like me as well, with the same level of intensity, that's when I go, wow, okay, all right, so that's what this is. This interview with Coleon is brought to you by our friends over at Bravo Company Manufacturing. When the Founding Fathers crafted the Constitution, the first thing they did was ensure the rights of an individual to share ideas without limitation by the government. And you all might know how strongly I feel about freedom of speech by now. You also might know how strongly I believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility. The Founders knew these were the cornerstones of a great civilization, and in the Second Amendment, they guaranteed an individual the right to protect themselves. I'm not a gun owner, but I love learning about our rights as Americans. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility and building rifles is no different. Started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago, Bravo Manufacturing Company, or BCM for short, builds a professional grade product which is built to combat standards. This is because BCM believes the same level of protection should be provided to every American regardless if they're a private citizen or a professional. Bravo Company Manufacturing is not a sporting arms company. They design, engineer, and manufacture life-saving equipment. BCM assumes that when a rifle leaves their shop, it'll be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or soldier overseas, so quality is of the utmost value to them. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans in Heartland, Wisconsin to a life-saving standard. BCM has always put people before products. They build their products because they feel it is their moral responsibility as Americans to provide tools that will not fail the end user when it's not just a paper target, but someone coming to do them harm. Because of this, BCM knows that making reliable life-saving tools is only half the story. They also work with leading instructors of marksmanship from top levels of America's Special Operation Forces, from Marine Corps Force Reconnaissance to the U.S. Army Special Forces, connecting them with 
other Americans. These top instructors then teach the skills necessary to defend yourself, your family, or others. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com where you can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. That's bravocompanymfg.com. Need more convincing? Find out even more about BCM and the awesome people who make their products at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. All right, yeah. so I want to I want to back up to a little bit of childhood and growing okay. up because your evolution is kind of interesting. But let, let's just sit with this for one second because okay. I think there's something really interesting about that thing right there. That often, if you listen to the media, mm-hmm. they'll tell you that that police are hunting down black men yeah. and, and all of this. And then at the same time, you're saying, "Well, we should be able to arm ourselves and protect ourselves from." The white supremacists, whoever, who, whoever, whoever it is, yeah, right? I, I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but, but meaning that lawfully and mm-hmm. legally, we should be able to take care of ourselves. If you believe that the system is so corrupt and the police are so corrupt and there's racists running around everywhere, you're trying to bring the power back to yourself. That's to me, that's very empowering. Yet somehow, this seemingly is lost when this conversation hits the mainstream. It's amazing. I don't understand it. It's like in one breath you're talking about, let's, let's take the current administration for instance. They, like they'll paint it as this, the most vicious and vile thing on the planet. And then it's like, well then let's give the same guns that you have for your own self-reliance that you would use to protect yourself against this monster that you said existed and let's give it to them mm-hmm. and then place your entire reliance with respect to your safety on the same people you, I, you're telling me I should be scared of. It doesn't- They're l- horrible, give them your weapons. What? <laughs> Again, just, it's, it's mind-blowing, right? And so what it does, though, it exposes this notion that the, there's an absence of ability to, I don't want to say ability, or people just choosing not to critically think. Mm-hmm. You know, And we're at a point now where we have access, and I tell people, it's like, it amazes me some of the questions that I get. And it's like, you literally have a device that gives you access to all of the information in the world. And it's in, it, your, it's in your pocket. <laughs> and in the case of my overabundance ass, I have two of them, right? <laughs> and it's like, it takes you- carrying two phones? You, I assume you have like eight guns on you at all times. Right, so yeah, it's like there's, there's a rifle somewhere, somewhere <laughs> right? You know, and it's, it's amazing how when we have such access to so much information, we've become so lazy at reaching for it. It was almost like back in the day when we didn't have this access, we, we were more adamant about search, searching and seeking it out mm-hmm. and critically thinking about things. It's almost we've become too fast for our own good, right? So the obsession now is instant information, instant information, regardless of whether or not the information is of any use or good or if, it, or if it's even correct. Yeah. You know, and so it's... It, I hate it because you know I I've blogged I've done all of those things and I actually get people who get mad at me when I don't jump on a certain issue quick enough and when I say quick enough within thirty seconds right the second it's breaking <laughs> I'll see that sometimes yeah. something goes down in the news and, yeah. and literally two minutes go by or I'm at dinner and I wasn't looking at my phone and then I'll get a slew of tweets people wow see you didn't comment, comment on, on that, that. Yeah. You, you must be in on it good and God you paid for, off God forbid it involves a black person and there's a gun within ten miles <laughs> I have to jump on it yeah you know and and there are some cases I understand there are some people who do who are just now getting into this who are just now getting into firearms and they are black right mm-hmm. and you know and they they look to me for understanding and direction, because I've been doing this for so long, so that I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but but other people, it's just this constant desire to be like, aha, I got you, I knew you were a coon, kind of deal, right? And it's like, like, give me 30 seconds to even read the article you just sent me 10 seconds ago, yeah. 
right? And then from there, and then not to mention, you know, there's this thing called work that I do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm still doing that as well. So I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm juggling a lot of things. And I, I, think I, don't, people, I don't have to tell you, you probably have to read 10 more articles to even ascertain anything close to the truth. Bingo. And that's the one thing that I, I think a lot of people don't do. And I almost tweeted that the other day. I go, you know, it's very dangerous to read headlines, especially in the day and age of clickbait titles, to just read headlines and then make an opinion based off of that, or think you know or understand what happened in a particular story. Because there are so many articles that I've read about me yep. and what I've said, where the headline said one thing, and to cover their asses within the article, they'll clarify oh, yeah. exactly what that what it is that I said. But they're banking on the idea that people are just going to read the headlines and then run with that. Yeah. And so it ends up making a fool of you, fool of people. Well, what's your personal policy on that about how to respond to that? Do you go all in on the fight? Do you ignore it? Because this has happened to me a yeah. lot. Just in the last week, mm -hmm. Daily Beast said I was an alt right cheerleader. <laughs> now correct me if I'm wrong. You're black. I think so. How am I doing for the, for an alt right cheerleader? I, 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 you suck. <laughs> no, well. No, I mean, but this is the level of stupidity. Yeah. But but then it's about how much time do you want to invest in in defending yourself mm -hmm. and. By doing that defense, do you just add intensity to the people going, ah, see, we can get him to defend himself. And then before you know it, your whole life is dedicated to defending yourself from fake attacks rather than mm -hmm. doing the work that you care about. Well, two things. One, you're, they do it to you because you're dangerous. You're dangerous not because you agree with me in certain, in certain issues. You're dangerous in the fact that you're just simply willing to talk to me. So for instance, the same thing happened when I did, I did the interview with Killer Mike, mm -hmm. right? They jumped all over him, not because of what he said, but just because he sat down and had the conversation with me. Yeah, half the time they don't even listen. By the uh, way. Oh, that's a, that's interesting you pointed out because I was talking to my friend. I'm like, I'm like, how can anyone watch this interview and not walk away with saying, you know, what, that was a great conversation by two people who don't agree on everything, but there's some things we agree on. He's like, because they don't watch it. <laughs> that's and it. I was like, what do you mean? It's like I had this this weird blonde moment, right? Yeah. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, they didn't watch it. He's like. They don't actually watch the video. They just read the title and then assume they know what happened in the video and then make their opinion from there. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, you're right. I hate going down the weeds with too much of this because it feels like we're just responding to all of the craziness. Mm -hmm. But even in the even in like the YouTube ecosystem, yeah. when we put videos up, sometimes within 10 seconds, there's 100 comments. Oh, and it's like, <laughs> that was an hour long video. I don't know how the hell I, I want that time machine because I would be a lot more productive. Yeah. But it's always the haters that do yeah, it. That's why I want yeah. to bring it up. Because then that hate is the thing that's always leading us. And then I think that brings it back to where you started a moment ago, which is that we're in this polarized thing. And it's mm -hmm. because the haters are, are sort of paving the road and everyone else is just going down the road. I think a few of us are actually trying to trying pave to really, a, a exactly. better road that more of us can get on. I, the interesting thing about the discourse the way it is now, right? And so our politics have become our entertainment. That's the one, that's the dangerous aspect, right? So if it's not vitriolic, if it's not snarky, if it's not any of those things, it, it, people don't pay attention to it. And I'm the biggest advocate of like, all right, look, if, if, you, if you don't agree with me on something, you don't have to be an ass about it, yeah. right? Now, can I be snarky? Hell yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can absolutely be yeah. snarky. But what I, what I tried to do in, to respond to your initial question when you asked me, about how, do I, like, how do I go all in, do I respond? So like for instance on Twitter, what I've kind of held myself back to doing now is if I can tell that the person is literally seeking out an answer or response, that's, I'm gonna give them that same energy in terms of, okay, no, let's, let's have that conversation, right? Because there was a point in time where everything I 
responded to when I respond to it through the lens of just being this snarky asshole. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah, sure, was I entertaining myself? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But then I had to ask myself, was I really moving the conversation and the dialogue along? Yeah. Even though it is Twitter, right? It's Twitter, it's a dumpster fire. Yeah. Right. But what but, I started but it has some importance. I it mean, does. That's just the truth. That's why it keeps coming up in so many of these conversations. Yeah. You got high level people with great minds that are open and engaging mm -hmm. that are still involved in the stupidity of that. So it's like, <laughs> so I always feel guilty when I bring it up with a guest. I'm always like, I don't want to touch that thing yeah. again. And then on the other hand, we all know it's real. So yeah. it just it just is whether it, we want it to be or not. It, it, like you said, whether we like it or not, it's the medium of expression right now. Um, and so we have to, you know, it's like either adapt or die, you yeah. know, but you know, it's, it's, I try, I try to be what it is. I, I try to be the opposite of what I complain about. At least I try in terms of like, sometimes I'll see snarky messages and then I'll respond by trying to be reasonable. I say, okay, I get it. You don't like me, but answer this question for me. And I try to move the dialogue along. You know what ends up happening? Tweet gets deleted. Yeah. Almost Every single time. Yeah. The second you shed a little light on yep. it, Gone. rats scatter. Yeah. Yep. This Ruben Report interview is brought to you by Simply Safe. With my studio in my home, my team and I spent hours researching the best home security system out there, not only to protect us, but also all of our equipment. That's when we came across Simply Safe, an affordable and reliable home security company. Here's what I love about Simply Safe these guys obsess over the details. That's why their alarm system is so good. Here's a quick example for you a typical glass break sensor sometimes gets fooled. Sounds like a drop plate or a baby crying can give the sensor a false positive setting off an alarm. Simply Safe didn't want to settle for typical, so they constructed their very own glass break test facility. They ran over 10,000 live glass break simulations so they could refine their detection technology. Now their sensors can distinguish between a broken plate and a broken window. This is the level of detail that the guys over at Simply Safe put into everything they do, and it truly sets them apart from other companies out there. Best of all, Simply Safe comes with no contracts, so they're always working hard to earn your business every single day. For only $15 a month, you can get 24-7 monitoring with police and fire dispatch, which is one of the best deals out there. Simply put, Simply Safe is the greatest around-the-clock protection you can find. Order your Simply Safe security system today at simplysafe.com/ruben and Simply Safe will also donate a system to a family in need. That's simplysafe.com/ruben. Once again, s i m p l i s a f e.com/ruben. What is the, uh, before we dive too much into your past, yeah. what is the thing that they're criticizing you most for? Like, you come across to me as a pretty rational, mm -hmm. decent, open guy. You're trying to empower yourself. Okay. So what is it that they're always going after you? Is is it that thing that a black man shouldn't be for guns? I mean, is it that simply stupid? Uh, so I'm not. So I don't. I'm not going to be so naive as to assume it's simply just because I'm black and I'm into guns. Yeah. The NRA thing holds. A, that's yeah. part of it. That's a big part of it. It's just aligning myself in an organization that they seemingly that they see as being a racist organization yeah. that hates black people. Okay. And we're going to talk plenty about the NRA. Right. Obviously. So there's that element of it. Yeah. But then there's there is also this idea that being a young black man, that I'm supposed to run from guns because of the projected image that we've all had forced down our throats with respect to black men and firearms in this country for decades. You know, black man with a gun, he's a thug, he's a drug dealer, he's a gangbanger, period. So now when I, um, young attorney, educated, um, 
open-minded and you know with respect to different issues and then i'm pushing the narrative of the second amendment it sets off an explosive level of cognitive dissonance in people who have what i love this quote and i believe it was bush who said it this soft bigotry of lowered yeah. expectation right and it they hate it they hate it the same way they they hate you now because you can't control someone who's willing to think independently outside yeah. of what is stereotypically expected of you, right? Um, and that's where the labels come in. So it's like, you know, you're progressive, you're liberal, you know, so, so forth and so on, but you still have that ability to step outside of that and say, you know what, let me, let me, okay, I can see that perspective. That's dangerous for people who want to control people. So when I want to control the way you think, the way you see yourself, I cannot allow you to develop an ability to think independently on separate issues, because then I can't control you. So if I if I say, you know what, I can do everything for you, depend on me. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want you to do and understand is, you know what, wait a minute, you mean to tell me I can protect myself? You mean to tell me I don't have to depend on calling a cop in order to come save me if someone does try to break into my house? Because then I can't control you. I can't own your vote. Because what the gun has done for me and a lot of people, it serves as a catalyst for the awakening of a lot of people to understand, you know what, I can do more for myself than I realize. You know, yeah. and once that once that spark is set off, then a lot of things you start to realize, you know, I don't you know, what? maybe, you know, now that I'm holding myself to a different level of accountability, maybe I might try to do this on my own. You know, doesn't I mean? it just feel good? I mean, putting aside, yeah. I know we a lot of people are into facts over feelings yeah. these days. Right, yeah. Shapiro. But doesn't that statement right there that that you can do more for yourself? It just feels good, it like feels taking some power back to yourself and going, the government or you, whoever you are, yeah. you're not in charge of, of my life, my responsibility, my yeah. livelihood, my family, the rest of it. It's the most invigorating feeling in the world. And, and I'm with you, I'm all about facts over feelings. And I mean it from the standpoint, I don't allow my feelings to dictate the facts. Mm -hmm. You know, I do think feelings are necessary, right? Because because in the absence of them, we just become cold, calculated creatures, right? And we are still human. We are human. You know what I mean? So it's For like- For now, at least. Yeah, right? So, you know, when I talk about the issue of firearms, I do actively try to, I was, I was having a discussion with a, a lady not too long ago about just general firearm issues with respect to her son, right? Who's a young black man. And I asked her, you know, like, do you, are you fearful of the idea of him carrying a gun and so forth and so on? And I have to bring myself back when I'm having a discussion with someone like that because I don't have kids, right? So yeah, am I a godfather? That, yeah, so, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I love her, but it's not the same mm -hmm. for a woman who has a son. Mm -hmm. So I have to be cognizant of that and understand what goes into that when she's thinking about whether or not she, he, she's okay with him owning a firearm. And, and then on top of that, having this idea that her son is more likely to get killed by a cop because he has a gun on him versus when he doesn't, you know? And that's where the feeling component comes in where it's necessary. I think you, if you can't sympathize with that, then it, it makes you dismissive. And so then that person can't relate to you, then we can't have that conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that comes from personal experience for you. Absolutely. Because uh, when I was reading your bio, there, I mean, mm. there's some really interesting stuff about how you evolved sort of politically and personally, but mm. when you started getting into guns, you kind of had, had to hide it <laughs> yeah. from your mom even. So can, Everyone, can you actually. Just tell me a little bit about, about growing <laughs> yeah. up and then sort of your, your politics and then how do we, how do we get okay. so into guns. Gotcha. So I've, I grew up largely a closet anti-gunner. 
I didn't realize I wasn't like going to the one, there was one present, right? I wasn't kind of rapidly running out, running out screaming, I hate guns or anything like that. But when a woman was present, I remember there's one moment um, when I was in college, I had a roommate, um, one of the friends brought a gun over. I was like, you need to get the hell out of my apartment, you need to get the hell out of my, um, out of my apartment. And um, well, I had a good friend of mine who randomly just asked me, hey, do you want to go to the range? Never even thought about it, never even crossed my mind. Which is how I know a lot of times I can decipher based on certain comments whether or not somebody's actually commenting from a place of ignorance or a place of understanding. Because I was that guy. Mm. Never even thought about going to range, never thought about shooting a gun, but could tell you all the opinions in the world why I didn't like <laughs> Right? And so when I hear that rhetoric now, I can usually point it out and I'm like, you've never shot before. You've never even held a gun before. And so from that perspective, we went to the gun range and I shot for the first time and I was hooked. Now, I was hooked not from a political standpoint, not, not even from an empowering, oh my God, I can protect myself now standpoint. It was just pure fascination with the mechanics, the physics, all of it. Um, a very kind of like curious mind. So for me, it was like, I kind of like this. Like the yeah. idea that I'm launching a projectile faster than the speed of sound yeah. at a little target, like 100 yards away, like that was awesome. So me. first shot, you were hooked. First shot terrified me. The second shot I was hooked. Second. So it was like, love it, <laughs> love it second shot. Right? All right. Right? Um, so from that perspective, after, so after that, I just, I followed that rabbit all the way down the hole. But it was, like I said, it was more from a scientific, mechanical understanding of it. Then, as time went on, then I started looking at it from a more intellectual, Second Amendment, political, activist standpoint. And then I started, my, then the lawyer mind kicked in. Mm-hmm. And then, and I started looking, I'm like, I'm hearing something, because we, we, during the time period, then that particular time period, we had a couple of pretty big mass shootings that happened. And then, so I started paying attention, so I'm now paying attention more to this, kind of like when you're thinking about buying a car and you never see it on the road, and then once you start thinking about no, buying it, you everywhere. see it everywhere, yeah. that was pretty much what happened now. So yeah. I'm like, I'm hearing the conversation about guns everywhere now. And I'm like, none of this is making any sense logically. <laughs> like what people are proposing, it doesn't, it was so pure. It wasn't like an agenda driven. It was like, this doesn't make sense to me. It's like a window, like a sticker on a window is not gonna stop somebody from bringing a gun in. Just saying that it's illegal. You mean the sign that says Science, no firearms no, in yeah, like, You mean the bad that, guy's not gonna read the sign and be like, oh, Exactly. I go to the other place. Right, huh. so Interesting. that's kind of when I started jumping into the more activist advocate side of things. Um, with respect to the Second Amendment. Yeah, and but when you first got guns, yeah. you were literally hiding them. I was. You? From, from your mom, yeah. because, well. Because she, she was very much, I mean, she was a single parent mom raising a black son. She wanted to thwart every stereotype on the planet, right? My mom overcompensated with me tremendously. Because she, under, she understood, uh, in her mind, the limitations that come with uh, being a woman raising a man by herself. So she overcompensated. So whereas like you usually typically have like mama's boys who are just kind of like mom does everything for them. She didn't do shit for me. <laughs> she was just like, go wash your own clothes. Come here, go do shit. Like everything she made me. And I, at the time, I just thought she was just being a mean mom, right? Mm-hmm. Not realizing, you know, it was her overcompensating from the standpoint of like, I got to make this do. I got to raise a man. Yeah. Right. And so, but so she was trying to buck. So I knew. Once I started getting into guns, no, 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 because the perception was black man with gun, gangbanger, right? And, and, you know, she had some insecurities in that. She's like, you know, like, there's going to come a point where I'm not going to be able to control this kid. I don't know what he's going to be doing. And so I didn't want to terrify her and make her think that I was living some nefarious lifestyle 
that she and it, it was almost in a way to protect her more than was to hide it from my sake mm-hmm. because I didn't want her to feel like she like she failed as a mother and so I knew if she saw the AK-47 that I had hidden under my bed in her mind she knows nothing about guns all she knows is what she sees in the media and we all like we touched upon before that imagery is not positive so she comes home sees AK-47 in the bed she's Oh my God, my son is a game banger. First you said under the bed, now you said in the bed. Is there anything you want to tell me here? We'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) The the irony behind it is I did, this is kind of embarrassing because you know, we're both basketball fans. I used to sleep with my basketball. Oh yeah? Oh man, yeah, ball was life. That was everything. Now You still got any skills? I got a little something. Yeah? I got a little something. I'm actually working on trying to, for the next NRA annual meetings, put together like a a two-way charity basketball event. If you're down. Can I get in on that? Hell yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let's but uh, I've never slept with my guns down. I've never slept <laughs> with my guns. That was an odd Freudian yeah. slip. I know, right? Yeah. Okay, but. so so from that point, when you started getting okay with this, mm-hmm. and now you're exploring it, as you said, intellectually. Yeah. Uh, how long before you were really an advocate for this stuff? Because you always sort of wanted to fight for something. That yes. seems to be a theme with you for yeah. a long time. It was def- that, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an advocate. I wanted to be in the courtroom defending people. That's that was my goal, it, like even to the detriment of my grades. Like I focused more on like my mock trial stuff when I was in law school than I did my actual work, mm-hmm. like the, like school wise, right? And um, I liked being the voice for people. I like being able to speak to people who can articulate certain things the way that maybe I can. And I never saw this going the way that it did, but I'm doing exactly what I always wanted to do. And and for me with the gun thing, I remember being in like I'd be in like class in law school. And the way that, that like the seats are staggered, they're like stadium seats, right? So if I'm on my computer and you're behind me, you can see what I'm doing on my computer. And like I'd, I'd be in class and like I'm researching guns and oh, stuff man. like that, right? And <laughs> yeah, oh man, going. oh dude, like people. I, and, and the thing is, a lot of things that were being said about me, I didn't even know about till later on. People were concerned, yeah, like really, like yo, it's like you know. Kids going on guns good, yeah. He's like, is he, he's great. He's not doing anything crazy. He's not, you know. Um, and look, I get it. If you don't, if you're not into that kind of thing, um, and you don't follow it, the idea of being passionate about something you perceive to be a, a, a tool that's used for killing people and only killing people, it's going to seem a little odd to you. Um, but because I came to it so naturally, so organically, with, without any of that. It just made sense in my mind. I was so unapologetic about it once I got over being apologetic about it mm-hmm. that I didn't push it in people's faces. But you know, there was a, there was even a time like that's how my Instagram got started was me separating. So the people who followed me up until that point, you know, I, I had a girlfriend at the time was like, you know, I get a lot of questions from people. You know, <laughs> you think you can kind of tone down the gun stuff a little bit? Um, and it was it was kind of an, an innocent you know thing, but. Inevitably, I just said, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to set up a whole other page, and I'm just going to do all the gun stuff I want to do on that page. Yeah. Um, and then now that's taken over. I, have, I don't even use the other one. It, I don't even know if I remember the password. Yeah. But it, and so from there, that's where things really started taking off. And then, with the, and then, and then when I started, because I started doing gun reviews. Mm-hmm. And so then from there, when I got into the political component of it, then I started talking, doing my commentary. And then that's when things started really taking off. This interview comes to you thanks to our friends over at Keeps. Okay guys, let's talk about something no one wants to think about but we've all worried about, hair loss. 
Maybe you've noticed you have a little less hair than you used to have, but you're not sure there's a real solution. The thing is, there's only two clinically proven medications that let you keep the hair you have, and now there's an inexpensive way to get them. You don't need to lose your hair if you don't want to. I have to tell you about Keeps for just five minutes now and a dollar a day. Keeps is coming to the rescue so you never have to worry about hair loss again. We decided to give the ordering a try. We snapped some photos, answered a couple simple questions, and got a prompt response from a licensed doctor over at Keeps. Getting started with Keeps is truly so easy. Signing up for Keeps takes less than five minutes. The entire ordering process was so quick, there's no reason to keep putting off trying Keeps. Keeps offers the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've never gotten them at this price. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, plus now you can even get your first month free. That's a hell of a deal to let you keep your hair. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash Ruben. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ruben. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash Ruben. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. All right, so let's do this. Mm. I want to do gun 101 with you. Okay. All the things that we should know about guns. Mm -hmm. And then I want to do the most common misconceptions about guns. Because I think part of the issue right now is every time something happens, every time there's a shooting, Mm -hmm. Half the people don't know anything about guns on one hand. Half the people then give you all of those misconceptions. It gets it confusing for everybody. And even the people who I generally trust, I sense don't know exactly what they're saying. So I want to do a video with you right now where every time one of these incidences happen and someone starts asking me this, Mm. asking me that, I want to go, I've got the thing that I can point you to with the answer. So let's do gun what on what okay. what do we need to know about guns all right first and foremost ar does not stand for assault rifle so when they say ar15 that's not assault rifle does not mean assault rifle an assault rifle is a gun that is fully automatic right that means i pull the trigger i hold it back and it expends all of the ammunition in the magazine that's so that's that's jesse ventura in predator boom Okay, right? that's a great gun. Yeah, love that gun. Right? Not going to argue about Not going to say I wouldn't mind owning it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, so that's automatic. You that's just hold it hold down. It, holding and down, and, it, and it, it will fire every round uh, subsequently until it's completely out. Okay. Right? And it does so at a very high rate of speed, okay. generally speaking. Semi automatic. So now there's been this thing where people conflate this or use semi automatic as a kind of a hyperbolic way of characterizing guns as death killing machines, right? Mm. Virtually every modern gun is semi-automatic. And what that means is one press of the trigger, you get one bullet versus holding the trigger down once and getting all of the bullets. Okay, so that's a great distinction yeah. right there because often when this happens, you, mm-hmm. you see people saying we have to ban semi-automatics. Yes. Semi-automatic. That's virtually every modern gun. Well, yeah, it's just, it's, so yeah. it's not, because all the, the only difference between that and a, what I guess is a fully automatic. Just a, uh, well, what what's mean? one that you're just loading, one, Bullet in. That, that, okay, so that would be a bolt action. Okay. Right. So, so there's fully automatic, semi-automatic, and bolt action. Right. Right. Bolt action more. Uh, it was more aligned to like like hunting, right? Or high per- high precision shooting. Yeah. And it's a bolt because it allows you to build the gun up in such a way where you it's it, the tighter constraints within a gun and it allows you to be more accurate. Okay. Right? So, Without so, certain mechanisms moving back and forth, causing throwing off the accuracy of the shot. So you okay. would say then that when when all of these people come out and say we have to ban semi-automatics, mm-hmm. that they are actually just flat out confused yes. or, or intentionally conflating or uh, obfuscating what the truth is related mm-hmm. to them. Yes, absolutely. And, that, and so it's either they're confused, ignorant, or they're doing it purposefully, like you just stated. Okay. So yeah. what is the? So let's do some NRA stuff while while That's we're fine. doing this. 
What is the NRA stance on automatics, just being able to hold and, and shoot? I mean, the way it's currently regulated is the way it stands. With like right which? now, there's like in order to get an automatic gun, there's a certain process you have to go through mm-hmm. in order to get them. And, and that it's been that way for a very long time now. And that's been that it exists yeah. as it does now. Um, and that's essentially where, where the stance is with respect to fully automatic yeah. guns. What, what are people using fully automatic guns for? So, because um, I think this is where you'll hear people go, well, no one needs an automatic to hunt. Well, see, here's the thing, though. It's, it's, it's the idea of putting it under the guise of needing, right? There, name another right where we use that same standard. Mm-hmm. You know, it begs the question. And so it's like, okay, you have a fully automatic gun and you have semi-automatic guns, you have bolt action. There are different reasons why you would want each of these guns. Now, I can delve into that, but then that starts getting into the very nerdy side of firearm ownership, mm-hmm. where the enthusiast aspect of that comes into it, is understanding tactically why you would want certain things. And so for me, I'm not personally, I don't have a problem with people owning fully automatic guns, personally. I, I just don't see that as a significant danger above and beyond, say, owning a nuclear suitcase, right? <laughs> so if people tried to make that absurd argument to me before, it's like, well, then why don't you be allowed to, well, that's because there's a, there's a cost-benefit ratio that doesn't make any sense. Right, that you just—that's inherently self-destruction. So how is how is that protecting you in any way from the very thing that you're supposed to be protecting yourself against? Do you think there should be a higher threshold to be able to get an automatic than some of the other weapons you're talking about? Me personally, threshold in what respect? Like in terms of either higher back graded background checks mm-hmm. or references. So, let, so let's talk about background thing. checks yeah. for a minute. So there's this idea and this notion that we don't have background checks for our guns. We do. And the funny thing is, we in the gun community have become a victim of technology. And what I mean by that is people think that just because I can go into a gun store, if I really wanted to, I can go to a gun store right now, buy a gun within two minutes. Just like that. You can. Yeah. Because you've done all of the, the background stuff. See, that's the thing, though. I'm still going under, I'm undergoing the same processes. Right. So I go into the store, I find a gun. I like this gun. I say I want to buy this gun. I fill out the 44, uh, form 4473, which asks me a series of questions. Then they take that information and they submit it to the FBI database and they do a background check. But it happens instantly because technology, mm-hmm. right? People, it's interesting because there's a lot of people who feel like I should undergo some type of CIA investigation before I buy a gun. The same people who also hate the government. Exactly, yeah. right? So when they, the, the instant aspect of the background check causes people who don't know very much about the process to think that there isn't one, right? Just because I can buy the gun easily doesn't mean it was done thoroughly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I underwent the background check. There's a system there. They checked it against the system. If I don't have any felonies or anything that prevents me from owning that firearm, I'm allowed to buy the gun. Okay, so when people say there are there are no background checks or mm-hmm. the background checks aren't tight enough or however you want to extrapolate yeah. that, is, is there any credence to any of that that, that you can... So say? now let's talk... So I think what you're, what you're kind of going into is universal background checks, right? So when they say universal background... Now, they do conflate these terminologies. There's Universal background check is a very specific statement. It's, it's not like saying Coke, right? Because people hear universal background checks and all they hear is the background check part. Uh-huh. That universal means something. And what that means is it's a requirement that on every single transaction you have to undergo a background check, even private transactions, right? So right now in California, if I had a gun, right, I can bring a gun into California, I just can't carry it. But you're like, hey, you know what, Collins, I like that gun you have, right? I want to buy it from you. 
in California, I can't sell it to you, mm-hmm. right? Now, what? here's what I can do. I can say, all right, cool. When I get back to Texas, I'll transfer the gun to a gun store here mm-hmm. in California if it's on the specific list that allows you to actually own that gun. Right, because California has, has a designated list. Exactly. List. Okay. Yeah. And then you would have to go to the gun store and then buy it, right? Now, let's say I decided to give you the gun anyway, privately, right now, in this room. No one else is here but you and I, and I sell you the gun. You want me to show the cameras? Huh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have any plans on going to jail. <laughs> but, and I sell you the gun. You. And then let's say you have the gun. What is there to check against, what database is there to check against to determine whether or not you got a background check for that gun? Now, I just conflated two issues right now. Yeah, right? yeah. So, well, if we did it on the DL, there, there's nothing. There's no way. Yeah. And that's what the whole concept of the universal background check is. It is to require a background check for every private transaction. Now, legally, right now, I can't do it. But like in Texas, I can sell a gun to a friend. And as long as I know he's not a prohibited person, and I know he's not a felon, I can sell him that gun, no problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's completely legal. What the universal background check idea su- suggests is I should have, I sh- he should be required to undergo a background check before I can sell him that gun. Mm-hmm. And that would mean you and he and I would have to go to a gun store and undergo a background check, then he can go and buy the gun from me. So is the problem with the way it is currently, say in Texas, the mm-hmm. way you're describing, that you just would not know potentially mm-hmm. enough information about the person you were selling it to. Yes, that, that's a potential, absolutely. And so the reason why I'm against the universal background check is because there is no other way to enforce it but for a national gun registry. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you have nothing to check it against. Right. To say, if, I, if a cop walks down the street and sees you have a gun, he's like, did you get a background check for that gun? Yeah. How's he gonna prove otherwise? Unless there's a national registry. And then it's okay, fine. Well then, let's have a national registry. No. Because we've seen time and time again that when the governments have a national registry for firearms, they subsequently use it to confiscate guns. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is when you say that, they try to put the tinfoil hat on you, right? Except, because what they they envision is, you know, roving truck, black military trucks coming down the street, pulling guns from people's houses. No, that's not what happens or how they do it. It's constructive. And then when you have potential presidential candidates like Hillary Clinton suggesting we should take upon we should take up the Australian model which did that very thing they used the national they used a national gun registration to tell people to say you know what you need to turn in your guns it's a voluntary buyback mm-hmm. no it's an in, it's a, it's a mandatory buyback right so and if you don't sell your guns back guess what you go to jail that's a confiscation. Yeah. It's a constructive confiscation, but a confiscation nonetheless. Just because they didn't roll the military trucks down the street and pull them out of your house doesn't mean it isn't confiscation. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm, I'm adamantly against universal background checks, unless you can demonstrate a way for me for it to be applied in such a way that would not require a gun registry, because I do not trust my government not to exploit that registry in their favor. Yeah. So how much of this then, because we've talked about it, you, mm-hmm. you said to me right before we started, you're sort of a libertarian, mm-hmm. I think is exactly yeah. what you said. I don't want to put words yeah. in your mouth. Uh, um, how much of this does go back to that states should be able to make the decisions that they see fit? I mean, I suspect yeah. you probably wouldn't be that thrilled living in California see, other, other than the weather. Exactly. I, I'm here in California. The weather, the women, the food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you got some pretty good food in Texas. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, I'm not complaining about that. Um, so, 
See, that's just it, too. It's like, well, how far do those states' rights go from the standpoint of violating my Second Amendment right? Right? I believe in states' rights, right? Until the point you start violating my constitutional ones. And so when you have places like California, which I think, I think I'm being currently violated now, the fact that I can't carry my, my gun, what, what is the difference? I can, take, I can take my car with my Texas license and drive it right into California. No one has a problem with that. I can drive up and down these roads and as fast as I want, as recklessly as I want, yeah, that might be illegal, but I can still do it. There's that potential to do it, but yeah, I can't carry the thing that I carry to protect my life with the same license? That doesn't make no sense to me. Like, I, am I any in any less danger here than I would be in Texas? If anything, I can make the argument that I'm more. I, there's more danger for me here in that I don't know the area very well. So, in a weird way, you're actually making a non-states rights argument here, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're saying you want the same mm -hmm. thing everywhere, that's that's not a states rights argument. It's not. Right? That, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because, but that that's under the guise of me feeling like me not being able to carry is a violation of my constitutional mm -hmm. right. Right? Mm -hmm. Because states' rights doesn't allow them to violate those constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the argument I'm making. Now, it's difficult because then you start talking about the idea of having a uniform, like, concealed carry platform, right? Um, where one license allows you to carry a gun everywhere, right? Then you start getting into the weeds about, okay, well, that's violating states' rights. But that's only if you don't see my ability to carry a firearm as a, as a um, sorry, uh, my ability to carry a firearm as a violation of my constitutional right. Right, so it's, it's an interesting philosophical yeah. place to talk because it's like, it just depends where you start. Yeah. Because even though I'm definitely a states' rights guy, I, I hear mm -hmm. what you say there, and then on the other hand, as a states' rights guy, to me, if a state wants to have stricter laws, mm -hmm and you're a big gun guy, then you actually are allowed to leave. It's kind of, it, as I would say for virtually yeah. every other situation, it's kind yeah. of shitty. Yeah. It doesn't feel great to have to leave a place that you want to be at, but if they're doing things as part of their state experiment that you mm -hmm. don't like, well, it's on, it's on you to get going. Yeah, but if that, were, if that same state creates a law that violates my right to privacy, Right, well, we have constitutional exactly. rights that supersede, supersede it. So that. I see, exactly. we, so I yeah. get, I get yeah. the nature of the argument. Yeah. Are we missing anything else on the technical front? Because we did that pretty quick um, before we Let's see. Uh, from a mechanical standpoint, yeah, I mean. just from the mechanical standpoint, or, yeah. or just any of the language that we use related to this. So, okay. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. then of course, there's, some people can say it's trivial, some people say it's not. So the magazine versus clip, it's yeah. the, the general term, it's, actually, it's called a magazine. A clip is an actual thing, it's just different from a magazine. That, that That's kind of slightly trivial, but it, it does typically kind of expose people who don't really know much about guns mm -hmm. when you say clip versus magazine because the proper terminology would be magazine. Um, as far as any other mechanical components. So, we yeah, well, well, what do I need to know about the magazine then? Well, th that's just terminology. That, yeah. we're, we're, it's, it is semantics, yeah. right? I don't always go about correcting people because I feel like it just creates, an, it, it kind of makes me look like an ass to a degree. No, 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 but that, that, right? that's but, why we're doing this. Yeah. And I want to clean some of this um, stuff up. The biggest thing is, is, is just the assault weapon thing, right? Because the AR-15 is a civilian weapon. It's, it's designated, the biggest difference between an AR-15 and an assault rifle is that the assault rifle is fully automatic and the AR-15 isn't. That's the biggest distinction between the two. Now, of course, then you can make the argument, well, that's a very minor distinction, you know, there are a lot of people who make that argument. But I don't look at the AR-15 any differently than I look at the, the handgun. In that sense. Okay, so every time when one of these happens mm -hmm. and we hear the AR-15 is a weapon of war. Mm -hmm. So are handguns. 
you, you would basically put the AR-15 and the handgun in the same category yes. as pulling once, yeah. shooting Even, once. Yeah. So that would not be categorized as a, as a weapon of war. Well, see, that's the, in, in that, your estimation. that terminology is designed to, to manipulate the emotions of people who don't know anything about guns. So when you hear, if you don't know anything about firearms and you hear he used a weapon of war, Technically speaking, all guns are weapons of war, right? Swords can be weapons of war. Exactly. Yeah. So, but what that does mentally, like they understand language very well. Mm -hmm. And I say they like they're like not even human. But, <laughs> so, but, but in terms of the, the, I call it the anti-gun side of, it, of things. They understand the use of language very well. And, um, and they confuse it purposely. So when you hear someone who doesn't know anything about firearms, think about it. Like if, if I'm already kind of, oh, I'm a little scared of firearms and then I hear he used a weapon of war, what, what image comes up in your mind? Mm -hmm. it's, it's Rambo, you know, he's running down there just going crazy. And that's exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But he could do the same thing with a handgun. And so the, the, the biggest thing that I like to, when I'm having these conversations with people is, you're gonna walk away with you're gonna walk away with two with two points of two trains of thoughts. I'm either gonna get you to admit you just want to ban all guns, or you can see my perspective. Because if you're if you're willing to say you know what we need to get rid of all the assault weapons as they as they understand them to be, which is essentially AR-15s. But now it's actually become even more broader. Like we need to get rid of all semi-automatic weapons, mm -hmm. right? And that's virtually every modern gun. So let's say they, they want to ban AR-15s. AR-15s, the rifles aren't even used. Like the, the, the percentage that rifles are used in actual shootings is so low and marginal, it, it's, it's unreal. So then why are we focusing on that? But, okay. So then, then what are most shootings? They're handguns, Yeah. right? So if we get rid of that, and we got rid of AR-15s, and then we have another shooting happen, because the, our most deadly school mass shooting was Virginia Tech, and he used a handgun. Mm -hmm. So then what happens if that happens again? So now what are you gonna ban? You, you're gonna ban the handgun? And that's when you're stuck having to confront the fact that, okay, either you really just wanna ban all guns, or you understand that the distinction is irrelevant, right? We've got to get to the absolute point of issue and why these things are happening. And focusing on the gun is doing a disservice to the conversation. It sounds like I'm just utilizing, I'm using a bigger issue as a scapegoat, but in reality, if you really sit down and think about it, right, we have over 300, close to 400 million guns in this country. They're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And understanding that, you've got to then sit down and, and say to yourself, all right, if we're gonna try to fix this issue of gun violence or just violence in general, we've gotta get to the root of the issue of why people are doing it. And then understanding that, staying within the context of reality, we've gotta understand, well, in the process, I still have to protect myself. And because people are still still going to be able to get their hands on guns, whether they're legal or not, and, and use them to commit crimes and to threaten people's lives, I've got to be put in a situation to defend against that. So you can ban all the AR-15s you want. doesn't mean it's going to stop somebody from getting one on a black market. So now, yes, I don't run from the fact that the AR-15 is a more powerful platform. Mm. That I agree with. And I don't think I don't run from that. There are going to be people on who are going to be mad at me for saying that. But the reason why I don't run from it is because that's the very reason why I want an AR-15. When it comes to defending my life, I don't want it to be a fair fight. Mm. Period. I don't want to have to confront someone with an AR-15 with a handgun if I don't have to. If you come in my house, I'm not grabbing a handgun. I'm grabbing an AR-15. 
See, we have this strange thing. It's like mm -hmm. when people will say, um, okay, well, the, the Second Amendment mm -hmm. says the right to bear arms, and then they'll put up a picture of you know the type of arms that existed yeah. way back when, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, then we should be have the right to that, because that's what they were talking about. And yeah. it's like, this is so disingenuous. It's very disingenuous. It's like, they were also talking about why you should be able to form a militia, and it's like, the thing that we'd be fighting against now has a lot more power, and it doesn't mean that just because you have some guns, you're going to be able to stop the guys in the black yeah. trucks, as you talked about earlier, but maybe you could defend yourself a little bit longer, and who knows what happens with a little bit of time. I mean, if we're going to be real with it, they're still fighting in Afghanistan, and those guys over there are just using AK-47s. Huh. You get what I'm saying? So, like, we can't, just because we're going to lose doesn't mean we just lie down and do it, mm -hmm. you know? And, 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 and the, the whole notion of, like, um, ah, man, I just lost my train of thought. The, the, this idea of owning firearms to combat the government, it's, it, and they think it's preposterous, but I'm like, ask the people in Venezuela. What's going and, on? And there? again, these are now the people, at least in this current moment, the mm -hmm. people who say that the government is run by Orange Hitler. Exactly. And, and yeah, man, it, it really, well, well, this is a good spot to, I think, mm -hmm. change some minds. And as I said to you before we sat down, yeah. I, I've never considered myself a gun person yeah. per se. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm interested, I'm always interested in, yeah. in talking about these things. But I do find myself now more pro-gun. It's probably not even the right phrase to say yeah. than I've ever been in my life. And, and I, but that, for me, it has more to do with that I'm really understanding what rights are in a much clearer way, and and what I want the government to do and not I to do. do. And once you understand that, then you know it's tough. It, it's it's it, tough it, to take other positions. It is. We could, so is there anything to you that when they always say sensible gun control? Mm -hmm. And I'll always see the, the pro-gun people will say, well, the people that always say that just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Now, I sense you're probably in that spot because that you were just saying More what less. they do with language. Yeah. yeah. So sensible gun control. Most of the time when people say that, they actually advocate things we already have. That, uh, <laughs> so background <laughs> you know I mean? checks. Background and, checks, things of that nature, right? And then you, and you, like, and you have other language like the, like the, loop, the, the, gun show, the, gun, the gun show loophole. Yeah, let's talk about that. that. That's not a loophole. All, all that is is a private transaction. That's all that is, and it's just happening, happening, it just so happens to happen at a gun show. If you bought a gun from an actual dealer at a gun show, you still have to undergo a background check. So the, when they say loophole, what the they're loop? saying is that if you are at a gun show, mm -hmm. you're not a dealer, yeah. you can actually sell that gun at the... If you are, if one, the person's not a prohibited possessor, you are from the same state, then yes, if, they, if there's nothing that precludes them from owning a firearm legally, I can sell them a gun at a gun show. Right. So the only slippery part of that is what we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. which is you just may not know all the information. Exactly. So there is, a, there is, I guess there's a little bit of a gray area in that mm -hmm. one. Is, is that a fair? In terms of the, the background? That you, yeah, that you're sort of taking somebody's word for it at that point. Right? Yeah, but like that, if but you that, just meet somebody that day mm -hmm. and they're like, I want to buy that gun, yeah. and you say to them, you ask them all the appropriate questions, mm -hmm. They could be lying to you. Absolutely. Right? I mean, but that's just. Yeah. But then that. So then the way the response that they have to that is the universal background check. But as I pointed out, how do you how do you enforce it without a national registry? And then with that national registry, even with the national registry, it doesn't stop anything. Right. We, 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 we tend to go down this, this road of just wanting to do things to make ourselves feel better. But in reality, name one mass shooting. That would have been prevented with a universal background check. Not one. 
Because even the people who had guns who weren't supposed to have them, they got them illegally, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't because there wasn't a universal background check that stopped them from getting it. No, it wasn't. So I have to, so I have to ask the question, I go, then why are we doing this other than just to make ourselves feel better? Because it's literally doing nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. And so that's why, like the person who, who bought and sold a gun privately at a, at a gun show could have done that in the parking lot of the gun show, could have done it at their house before going to the gun show. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but what it does is when you frame it within the context of the gun show loophole, it makes it seem like it's this bazaar where everyone comes there together <laughs> and sells illegal guns, right? right, right, right. That's the image that's created in mind. Right, they, like it's barter town. Exactly. Them, uh, like they feed on the, they feed on the ignorance of people, yeah. right? Because like not everybody knows that much about guns. It's, it's like, it's one of those things, it's like, I don't know, I don't know a lot about a, a lot of other things that people may know a lot about, right? So if you tell me something and I'm not really researched and schooled on that issue, you could get me to believe some pretty kooky stuff. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, that's what you consistently see every yeah. time we talk about this. And you know, there's this other piece of it where it's like, every time a shooting happens, mm-hmm. you know, there's this pile on where now, now we should talk about it. Yeah. And then there's this other part of us where it's because we go from one crisis to another, yeah that there's never, re- it, it seems to me at this point, we never really have time to really ever fully unpack any of these things. I think yeah. I think there's moments like this, mm-hmm. but on a national level, we're, we're not particularly good at these conversations. No, because then what it does is just turns into a political sparring match. Yeah, I mean, right after the last shooting mm-hmm. and when, when uh, Dana Loesch and, and Rubio were on that CNN town hall, I mean, it was... It was you, a mean dis- a pl- you mean the gladiatorial fest? It, it was That's, a disaster. I mean, it was yeah. everything I hate about cable news. It was everything mm-hmm. I hate about just the quick bites of all of yeah. this and, and flashiness and just who can we take out right now. It, it was a disaster. And then, and I said it and I pointed this out, how can we have a real honest conversation when they try to paint pro-gun people as crazy when we say, no, the ultimate goal is to ban guns. But then I can watch mm-hmm. a CNN live town hall where Rubio suggests you do realize banning all semi-automatic guns is essentially banning all guns and the entire stadium erupts in applause and cheers. Yeah. So, so then Rubio, it goes. Rubio said exactly what you said. Here. And they started cheering. Even even when confronted with the because Rubio said, look, you want to ban all semi-automatic guns? So here, let me educate you really quickly and tell you that's virtually all guns. So even when he corrected them, so it wasn't they can't they can't they can't claim they were ignorant on it because he just explained to them that means banning virtually all guns, and they erupted. So it goes okay. So now you have all us pro gunners are like, right? Told so you. we just going to go back to our exactly. corner exactly, and, go and back there's to their there's corner. no discussion because while while we're trying to be fair, your ultimate goal is to try to ban them all. Yeah, there was that moment, I'm sure you remember this, after the Parkland shooting when mm-hmm. they had the, the big rally and one of the survivors got up there and said, we're going to come, what was the line? Do you, do you remember the exact line where she said, basically, we're going to come for the semi-automatics mm-hmm. now, but we're going to come for everything later? Some, something to that effect. I'm, yeah. I'm slightly butchering yeah. it, but I thought, wow, now, now you're flat out saying and you're just giving, you're telling them now. So I could see why, you know, I, I see this with all my frustrations with yeah. the left all the time. It's like, I know they're never gonna stop. I, I've seen it so consistently and that's why I'm staking out some positions. But sometimes it's, it's kind of sucky to have to just be like, well, the people that I'm fighting against, yeah. so to speak, they're not dealing in the same world no. that I'm dealing in. And, I, and that makes it more important for me to stake out a position. But the thing that's most frustrating about it is 
the way they'll color it in the mainstream media is that we're unreasonable. We don't want to move one inch. We've dug our heels in. All we want is we don't care about anything. And really what it is is no, I let you into my house and now you're trying to take my house from me. So get out. Because that's essentially what they're saying is, all right, so they'll say, well, common sense. That's why we hate that word, common sense, mm-hmm. because it, it's disingenuous. It's like, well, we need common sense measures after a shooting, all right? And another shooting happens. We need more common sense measures. And another shooting happens. We need even more common sense measures. When does common sense measure stop being common sense and just intruding on my rights? Yeah, and I can see that, you know, yeah. you know my thing, for guns to you mm-hmm. is free speech to me, and it's like, I can see this coming with that. Yeah. Like, if these guys took control, you'd start seeing, well, we can have free speech, but we need some common sense controls around free exactly. speech. Exactly. So I, so I do understand yeah. the position that like, you're in there. I tell people all the time, I'm like, there are over 300 federal gun laws in this country. I, I, I think we've been reasonable. I think if we were really truly being unreasonable, we wouldn't have over 300 federal gun laws. And I can't begin to tell you how many we have on a state level, mm-hmm. right? So it's incredibly disingenuous to think that we're just being hard, hard asses who don't want to move one inch on the issue, right? No one's saying it should be a free-for-all where we're just handing out guns to everyone like Oprah, right? I don't think anybody has a problem inherently with background checks. Now, when you start talking about universal background checks, that's a different thing. But since nobody, since they never want to make that distinction, right? No one ever knows yeah, that. Yeah, then you can't, you can't. Exactly. And then the idea of, like, you know, we can talk about gun-free zones, right? And it begs the question, it's like, what is that, what is that sticker on the window going to do for me? So now I have to make, like, people don't really like to sympathize with gun owners in the sense of, like, we all want the same result, right? We want the killing to stop. We want the violence to stop. Notice I said violence and killing, not just gun violence, mm-hmm. right? Because th- th- we can't just focus on gun violence because violence is violence. However you die, you die, and it's bad all the way around. But when I have to make a decision about whether or not I potentially break a law to go into an establishment that may or may not cause me to need my gun at some point, man, that's messed up. And I know that there are a lot of people who don't see it that way because they don't see value in the Second Amendment because they're not firearm owners, right? There are a lot of people who, who look at the Second Amendment as useless because they don't own firearms. Mm-hmm. But when you have a group of people who understand the importance of it and how it fits into their lives, and they understand that at the end of the day, when something happens, the only person who's gonna be there to stop it is you, that's a big deal. So it's not just me trying to protect a piece of metal because I just want to have fun with my guns. Mm-hmm. No, it's much bigger than that. It's this idea that I have to rely on myself. You can tell me all day long the police are gonna be there, the police are gonna be there, but they're not going to be. They're just not. And then, and then you, then you- They were at Parkland. Exactly, right? So then you, then you add kids, family into the mix, that ratchets it up to a whole nother level. So, what about what about the piece of this that's just sort of optics? So you know, every mm-hmm. now and again, you'll see a picture of like three dudes with big ass guns at Chipotle. Yeah. You know, like an open carry. Mm-hmm. Now I know if I was if I walked into Chipotle and three guys came in with big ass guns on their back, yeah, I'd probably take notice. I, well, I would take notice, yeah. and I'd probably leave. Yeah. I probably would. It's, I would just be like, you know, look. And again, I'm here, I'm here in California, where that would be so yeah, yeah, yeah. so out of the norm. Yeah. That, that would yeah, exactly. But, but let's. But for the person that's living in Texas, uh-huh. where you can do this. If I was in Chipotle, right, and three guys walk in, 
I probably would leave. Knowing everything that you just said there, yeah. knowing that these guys are probably NRA members, and, and as far as I know, no NRA member has ever done a, a mass shooting, no. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, uh, you know, because you see this all the time, yeah. these celebrities, Michael Ian Black, like yeah. that on the show, who's on this rampage telling everyone that you guys are terrorists. I mean, really, that you're, you're part of a okay. terrorist organization. I mean, okay. And so all the other five million members. Right, well, but, right. I, but I think there is something about some of the optics of mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? Like, I would be nervous. Now, I get your point would be, well, those guys are gonna protect you when the other guy walks in or whatever. Yeah. And some of that may be feelings over facts right there, but it just it just is. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about it, that is a big debate within the gun the gun community as a whole. The idea of open carry versus concealed carry. I don't ever open carry. Except for maybe if I'm out hunting or I'm on a range or something like that. I but that's that's a personal decision I'm choosing my own for various reasons. One, sometimes I like I rather not have the attention. And tactically, I, I like the advantage of having the element of surprise. Mm -hmm. You don't know I have a gun on me, so if I had to use it, I'm going to be reacting, right? I'm not going into a place to shoot it up. If somebody decides to come into a place to shoot it up, I'm gonna be reacting to that. So I need all the advantages I get from my personal perspective. So I want the element of surprise. There's some people who think in the alternative. They feel like just the mere presence of that gun is a deterrent from anyone who wants to come in and do something bad. So if a guy's casing out a couple of stores and then he sees there are certain citizens in there with long guns and some that have uh, handguns on the side of their hip, then that's a deterrent, mm -hmm. right? Um, I understand the alarm that people who don't necessarily engage and interact with firearms get when they see people walking around with rifles, right? Even I've, 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 there been, I've seen a couple of people in Texas do it. And initially my gut reaction, and I'll admit, was like, hmm, what's going on here? Um, now, I'm very versed with firearms, and I have a gun too. So at that point, I actually almost welcome it. And the reason why is because if you're going to do something, I now get to see you attempt to do it. You get what I'm saying? It, 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 there's a telegraph You, you that, are in a unique case on this one. It, 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 yes, <laughs> but I'm, I'm speaking from purely a place of personal yeah. preference, right? Yeah. I'm not speaking on the whole for anyone else or anything like that. Me personally, I would rather like to know you have it. Right, if I can see it, because then I know where to focus my attention versus me kind of being alone to a state of complacency because of its absence. And then all of a sudden somebody stands up and decides he wants to shoot the place up. Um, and then I have to react to that. Um, but again, that's tactics, right? That's, that's just personal preference in that regard. However, I do understand the alarm that somebody would have seeing three guys walking to Chipotle with, uh, with rifles, because it seems seemingly, especially to them, it seems like that's a bit excessive. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. If I can conceal carry a rifle, I would, because it's better at defending me than a handgun was. The only reason, the only reason I have a handgun is because it's small enough for me to conceal, and and, and allows me to live my life uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'd walk around with a rifle. Okay, so we can't end without doing sort of what I think would be the big question uh -huh. for everything we've talked about here, and for someone that works with the NRA yeah. and your shows on NRA TV and all that. So what is going on in America right now that mm -hmm. seems to be unique? to our society. We do have more shootings here than I, than I think virtually all other Western nations combined. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay. Feel free to fact check me on that if I, if so, I butchered that one. But, I, but I, it does seem yeah. it's, and even if I'm slightly off. No, no, that, you're good, you're good. It, it seems that there is something uniquely happening here. Now I would argue that mm -hmm. there's all sorts of mental health issues and probably uh, prescription drugs and, and maybe non-prescription drugs and all sorts of other stuff. So there's a there are a couple of things. Yeah. So I'll try to I'll try to keep this as concise as possible because yeah. we are going to get into weeds for a split second here. Yeah. So first of all, let's talk about mass shootings, right? Or school school mass shootings, for instance. 
I, I recently just read a study from Northwestern University um, not too long ago, which talked about comparing the number of school mass shootings back in the 90s versus, the, versus today. And what they concluded essentially was the perception is that it's happening more frequently, but it's not. It's actually on par or even less now than it was then. Now, you can, people are going to say, like, oh my God, how could you possibly say that? Google it. It's a Northwestern University um, research. Uh, I can't remember the actual title of the actual research. But All right, we're going to grab it from you after this, and I we'll, can pull have, it up my, we'll yeah, have my guys link to it in the absolutely. description. Okay. So, that being said, mass shootings account for a very, very, very marginal percentage of shootings in this country. Let's start off with the overall. So 35, 35 to 36,000 people each year die from guns, right? I didn't specify gun violence, but just guns, because they don't do that. They'll just say gun violence, mm -hmm. right? So 60, about 60 to 65% of those, that 35,000, is suicides. Now, what I'm not saying is we don't care about suicides. We do. However, when it comes to the idea and the issue of somebody shooting at me, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's not, it's not germane. Yeah. But then even still, if you want to make the argument, well, if we had less guns, we'd have less suicides. That's also not true because our suicide rate is on par with every other major country. So if it was the case that the more guns you have, the more suicides, we'd be leading the charge. We right. don't. Where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Even to more, the more, more famous suicides we've had, they didn't use guns. Mm -hmm. So we set that number aside, which is a huge number. Yeah. 65% is a huge number out of 35, 36,000. So then you have about 1% to 3%, which are justifiable homicides. That's self-defense. That's including police shooting criminals who are shooting at them, right? And people who use guns in self-defense, right? We gotta set that aside because that's not the issue we're trying to address. So set that number aside. And then you have about 5% which are accidental, right? Kid gets, finds a gun, pulls triggers, unfortunate, extremely unfortunate. However, I believe personally, half of that could easily be addressed with more education. So if we took the energy that we took that we, we place now on trying to vilify guns and have national campaigns teaching people about gun safety, that will cut that number in half. Because a lot of these accidents are easily preventable, but they're just people who have guns who just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so if we spent time educating those people. Do we know what percentage of that subset mm -hmm. is getting those guns legally or illegally? Because I would imagine that a lot of it's probably illegal, which is why they don't know how to use the gun in the first place. I'm not gonna assume I have that answer. Because I don't have that hard number. Yeah. Um, but and I would. I'm. But I do feel comfortable assuming that as well. Yeah. Right. Um, and so if we take that the accidents and set that aside, purely homicides, we're looking at around seven to ten thousand every year. Right. Now that's a different looking number. Right, when we've accounted for the, all of the, 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 the context here with those, those other shootings. So now, the vast majority, I'd say close to 80% that I've read in a couple of articles, of those homicides are happening in the inner cities of our country. Right? So then, reason goes, all right, so let's look at those inner cities and let's look at the dynamics there, right? You have low jobs lack of economic opportunity, um, destroyed households, and a narco economy that warrants, that warrants, but creates the necessity for this type of violence. So if we dealt with the socioeconomic 
aspects of what's going on in those areas, right? Do we really have a gun problem? Because think about it. I know, I know other communities filled with black people. They have guns. They don't have the same level of violence. Because mm -hmm. I only say black people because most people associate the inner city with, with black people, right? But the reason why we have that high level of concentration of violence is because of the conditions in those environments. And then even within those communities, there are the vast majority of those people in those communities are good people. Mm -hmm. And it's a very minor group of people who are creating a large number of the violence, right? So there's something to be said. Do we really have a gun problem or do we have a socioeconomic suicide problem in this country? Because at the end of the day, this 35 to 36,000 that people are assuming is all gun violence by way of homicides, people shooting at other people to kill them, it's not the case. We're looking at closer to the seven to 10,000, if that. And so if you take those numbers and you compare them to other countries, then how does it look? To be continued. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm so glad that we finally did this and we, we will yeah. definitely do this again because I think Absolutely. Th this story and, and everything we've talked about here is, ju is just gonna continue. I mean, I, these are the battles that we're now fighting on many fronts related to the Constitution and mm -hmm. free speech and free expression and your ability to, to own your life and all that stuff. And That's all we ask is yeah. this is just let me, and, and, and well, I'll say one last thing. Yeah. People, there are a lot of people who was like, why do you feel the need to carry a gun? Why? Like, like the chances of you needing to use that gun to protect yourself are like 1%. And the answer I have for that is this. You may be right. The chance of me need to care to actually use my gun to defend myself may be really slim, maybe 1%. But if that 1% happens, it's 100% of everything. The consequences are 100%. And that's why it's so important. Yeah. All right, well, that's how you end the show. You know, you, mm -hmm. maybe we'll do this next time. Maybe we'll bring you on with someone on some of the Absolutely. other side of the issues on this. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk and we'll about it. we'll have that conversation. Sounds like a plan. All right, for more on Coleon, check him out on Twitter, Mr. Coleon Noir.